Welcome to another podcast from the Inside Network. My guest today is Emmanuel Datt from Datt Capital. Emmanuel, welcome and uh, congratulations on a great year. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, it's been a very good year for us, thankfully, and uh, we hope it will continue. <laughs> on my reading, you've, you've scored over 30% increase year on year to December. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So um, uh, our calendar year return for uh 2020 was uh almost 32 percent uh so that obviously included uh quite a tumultuous time uh on markets in february and march so we're very pleased with the outcome can you give us a few insights into how you achieve such good results yeah sure so particular stocks or particular strategies i think it's a, a combination of good stock selection, but also good investment strategy and the ability to keep a cool head during a, a big market downturn was uh, especially valuable, I'd say. You must have had a nice cold head in March then to get those sort of results. Yeah, even though, you know, my heart was thumping and beating very, very quickly at times. Um, yes. I'm a very rational person <laughs> by nature. So I knew that things couldn't uh, necessarily continue. It was more of a market overreaction than, than anything else, I'd say. What strategies did you adopt when the market went down? Did you go for any particular stocks? We did definitely de-risk our portfolio as uh, the market kept retreating. Basically, what we did was redeploy the cash at close to market bottoms or just as the market was turning, which uh, worked out very favorably for us, but also maintaining a lot of flexibility within the portfolio and not get, being too wedded to positions. Once they had uh, appreciated or, or shown you know, a sufficient profit, we were very quick to keep recycling our capital while good opportunities were there to be found. We had a great run on a few different stocks. Um, probably the two biggest from a returns point of view was our investment in self-wealth. So we first bought into self-wealth. This was back in March when the stock was trading in the mid-teens, teens in terms of cents. And we recognised that uh, there was definitely an increase in retail equity market participation at the time of the large market drawdown. And we felt this company had a number of advantages and it could continue to enjoy relatively strong organic growth going forward. And so we started picking that particular stock up sort of in, in the mid-teens. And as of today, it's trading at about 70 cents or so or a little bit in excess. So it's been a very successful investment for us and we think the company has a long way to go. So you're still a holder, are you? Ah, yeah, absolutely. We intend on keeping that as a long-term holding for the portfolio itself. Another one that has worked out very well for us is an investment in Adriatic Metals. Adriatics have one of the highest quality undeveloped resources worldwide, we think. And it was more or less sold down <laughs> like, the, like the entire market was in Feb. So, um, yeah, we definitely sort of took an opportunity to top up that investment when it was um, trading very cheaply, we thought. I think it bottomed out somewhere around 80 cents or so in March and has since traded as high as $2.80 since then. So, um, yeah, very successful investment. And I've seen you writing on Arthur Pace. So presumably you've held it and enjoyed part of that ride. Have you got Afterpay still or have you bailed out there? We've bailed out of Afterpay. Afterpay has obviously been an incredible performer since the, since the March market bottom when it was sold down to about $8. We ourselves, we got out somewhere in the high 40s. 
but it's totally blown past, I think, anyone's expectations of, you know, in terms of price appreciation and valuation. We think the company is one of those fantastic businesses that we think will be around for a long time, but ultimately we felt there was better value to be found elsewhere which is why we sold. Can we step back just for a minute to remind listeners of what the the strategy and goals are of DAT Capital? We are a long-only fund. We invest solely in Australian equities and fixed income assets. Our objective is to achieve double-digit returns per annum over a two-year period. And we invest primarily in growth opportunities, relative value, and special situation plays. That's sort of our bread and butter. And you're a wholesale fund, obviously. Yes, yes, wholesale-only fund. So minimum is, what, 50000 or 100000 Our minimum investment is 100000 of course, the portfolio also has uh, investments in uh, real estate or real estate debt. Can you talk us through that? Yeah, so we do have some residual exposures to real estate debt, which is pretty much unlisted fixed income. We haven't invested any new deals over the last 18 months or so, just because with such low interest rates, our sort of uh, first return hurdle or metric for these sort of investments is a double-digit return to capture an illiquidity premium, but we're just finding that isn't on offer in today's environment. So we we only have a couple of residual exposures, but we're not expecting that to be a huge part of the portfolio going forward at this stage. Well, speaking about going forward, what's your feeling about the market now? And what are some of your ideas going forward at this point in time in early 2021? There's definitely potential for a drawdown at some stage during this calendar year. I say that more uh, as a caveat, I guess, because the knock-on effects caused by the COVID lockdowns that we experienced in 2020. And um, you know, I expect that to be linked to some tapering of, of government subsidies and assistance that heavily benefited and supported society from the start of these lockdowns and, and the situation itself. But conversely, uh, yeah, I think there's just a huge amount of stimulus going on. We expect markets you know, to probably finish positive for this calendar year overall, notwithstanding the potential for some volatility to occur during the year. I noticed one of your holdings that, uh, in one of your last reports is Dusk, which is of all things a scented candle maker, but uh, you uh have pretty strong and optimistic thoughts about that that company. Can you talk us through your views on that company, Dusk, D-U-S-K? Yeah, you're right, Pete. Um, Dusk is best known for its scented candles. However, it does also sell diffusers, essential oils and other fragrance-related homewares. So it is uh, you know, a discretionary retailer. It is the largest player in the local market and pretty much the only corporate-style player, I, I should say, in, in this market. So it holds about 22% market share, we estimate, and it runs somewhere around 120-odd physical stores, although online has obviously become a much bigger part of what they're doing given the COVID lockdowns. Our sort of angle here is that given that people spent so much time at home these past 12 months, you know, there's been a big emphasis on improving people's living environments themselves. So it's been really a huge boon for the retail industry, which is historically, it's been quite a sleepy sort of industry sector <laughs> or quite a consistent performer. So we're expecting that um, you know people will continue to invest in their, you know, making their home environment a pleasant place to live 
and continue buying these re, um, sort of homewares and consumables. What also attracted us to Dusk uh, was also the fact that it has an incredibly strong membership program and it's backed by a couple of uh, very well-renowned retail investors in the, the private equity firm Catalyst and uh, Brett Bun Blundy, who is a Aussie retail legend. Also, the valuation was just uh, incredibly cheap from our perspective and guided, upgraded its guidance to um, state that just for the first half of, the of this financial year, they were guiding to an earnings before interest and tax figure of $26 million. And this is when the company was um, trading at an enterprise value of somewhere 100 mil or so odd. So incredibly cheap um, considering the That's a, um, a very attractive retail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially in the context of looking at all the other retailers yeah. that would trade at uh, you know, 10 to 20 times multiples um, overall. So um, incredibly cheap, good uh, operators and um, major shareholders are benefiting from a tailwind that we hope will continue for some time on. So just seemed like a no-brainer to us. <laughs> so what about gold? I know you've been very active in gold and your ADT is a gold play or the uh, Adriatic. Are there any other thoughts on gold or, or have you, has, it, has it come to its um, plateau at the moment? What's your feeling there? There are two particular aspects of gold. One is the commodity price itself and uh, the second is the operational performance of particular gold producers. So our exposure to gold has been through explorers and developers and um, generally these investment opportunities that we've chosen to invest in typically have a growth and an m and angle attached to it. So we prefer to invest in companies which uh, have very good ground and the potential to find good resources that would be attractive to be gobbled up by an existing producer with a plant in the area that may be struggling with cost issues and uh, require um, perhaps a better grade of feedstock to help improve their overall economics. And um, that's been a, a pretty you know, strong um, strategy for us, how it's performed over time. And uh, yeah, we hope to continue um, going forward, irrespective of um, any volatility in the commodity price itself. Just finally, we're uh, on the global stage. There's been a change of administration in the states. How or how does that impact on your thinking going forward? Uh, uh, even though, of course, you're only investing in Australian stocks, uh, has that made any difference to you at all or not? I would say that it has, because with this green agenda that uh, or green revolution, whatever you want to call it, that has been part of uh, the Biden administration's policy goals, I think that it has actually been very bullish for commodities of all types. Uh, you combine that with uh, you know, unprecedented government stimulus and uh, it's really a raging bull market for commodities of all types from our perspective. So that can cover from base metals and uh, precious metals yeah, all the way through to soft commodities uh, like food items and grain. So uh, I think that it's a great time to be invested in these particular exposures and um, yeah, we, we hope to benefit going forward from our current portfolio exposures. Emmanuel, thanks very much for talking to us today. It sounds like you're looking optimistically towards the future, at least for the next year or so. Yeah, absolutely, Pete, and uh, thanks so much for having us. <laughs>